Suspensions, fines, a lot of shutouts, and even some more coaching changes. What's going on? It's Cody Jans and Adam Irvinchell with you here. World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Now open in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Lord Co. Auto Parts, household name in communities across Western Canada since 1974. The trusted place to shop for your automotive needs. Lord Co. proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Now they're finally in Edmonton, carrying much more than just car parts. Their newest store on St. Albert Trail Northwest has a huge selection of aftermarket auto parts and accessories and a dedicated truck center. Whether you're looking for high-performance parts, shop equipment, paint, body supplies, outdoor gear, whatever you need to get, your RV on the road or boat on the water. Lordco's got you covered, driven to keep you moving. Lordco Auto Parts open seven days a week. Visit them today for an exceptional customer experience or learn more about their products and services at lordco.com. Let's snap it. Are, over you, are to you just going to read the? Are you just going to read the whole the whole t- uh, podcast or? What? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought I would just start it off with a couple of sheets here. Keep people happy, you know. Keep the lights on in this place. Uh, shout out Lord Co Auto Parts, the presenting sponsor of World Hockey Report. Now let's snap it over to the smartass there with one comment already. It's Adam Irwin Trout Dash One. How's it going? What's going on, man? Well, you uh, spoke without being spoken to, so uh, not off to a hot start. But hey, here we are. How's things in Stoon though? We're getting gorgeous weather up here. Yeah, it's it's pretty decent actually. I I should go to Lord Co Auto Parts because. For some reason, the front door on my car doesn't open anymore. So to access my car, I have to like go in the back, push the door open, and then like catch it with my other hand. Wait, wait, wait. Like your like front driver door doesn't yeah, open? Yeah, it's like became like unhinged, I guess. And like oh. I I took it over to just to, like just a, a car guy I know. I took it over to his garage with mass and distance and all that. And uh, he took it off, and like this guy knows everything about cars, and he, he just he found took a off. random on Kijiji. No, it's like, like in family friend, whatever. So I go over there, and he takes off the door, but there's like, and he knows exactly what's wrong. It's just like he couldn't get to the panel because like there's like an extra piece, I guess, where if he took the door out, then the window falls out. So I call like the the auto shop here. I should take it up to Edmonton when I'm allowed to, but I called it here, and they're like. Yeah, so it's like 150 to diagnose it. I'm like, like I know what's wrong with it. Like, I'm not going to pay you $150 for you to tell me what's wrong with my vehicle. Like, I'll come in there and take off the panel myself if you guys can get the pardon for it. But yeah, so that's that's how it's going. But super nice here. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. I thought you'd be like crawling through your window NASCAR style trying to get in, ripping yeah. around the beater of Stoon, Adam Urban Trout. Yeah, it's actually beautiful. Tons of content coming up to Jasper here tonight. Tomorrow, Pro Rock. We'll get into that. Pro Rock, Coco Vodka, a lot of new content coming for them. Shout out, Jasper, going to be beautiful. Uh, skating in the mountains, getting some photos, videos done there for them. Do we want to talk NHL news, or is there anything else big going on in the world that we should discuss? Well, I mean, Tex- I, Texas is open. I saw that yesterday. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's uh, 
I so does that mean like stars can have twenty k? Yeah, that's that's what I was wondering too. Like, I don't, I don't think so because I feel like the NHL would still kind of ax that. But I mean, like, but how could ten, the NHL have a final say in that? I don't know. I thought, they, I like, thought they were letting like teams like make their own choices. I guess so. Like, I mean, if the guy said like there's no more mass regulations and stuff, like <laughs> that kind of means that that's good to go. I guess, right? I seen it's it's kind of funny, like 2021, whatever. Like there was a couple of places like popping off because they were like, we're actually going to enforce masks and distancing still. And of course, I mean, the social justice warriors are like, that's a great quality business. That's who we got to promote. So I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, come 2021, people are actually pumped about more restrictions. It'll be interesting though. Would love to see Pac Barnes again though. I've been watching like KHL playoffs this morning. Shout out Russia. Uh, they're just packing the barns, dude. Wild, like 10, 12 K probably launched yeah. in there. Nothing it's like sad. It's like sad to watch these old highlights where there's just like packed buildings and it's electric. And then sure enough, it's just like, Does I, it I not saw make the game though. Like, dude, like I'm oh, telling yeah. you, like I, I find KHL hockey very boring. It's very, you know, kind of slow positionally well like soccer style but like with full fans and you just hear that atmosphere you're kind of like damn i'm a little into yeah. this now it, no, it changes the game no legit like i mean and i was watching a video today of like i don't know just like old nh or like goals where like guys chirped back or something like that and uh there's like a bunch of like fan like ones with fans or whatever and then there's the one this year where P on Grand Marner and then he started beaking at him and it's just dead inside and <laughs> it's kind of sad to see but on a on a less light note I guess the Oilers have lost a couple straight and all our followers are going crazy. Yeah, I know we uh, love you there. Follow us on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. I'm on Twitter at Janner31. Adam's there at A. Ehrman Trout. I'm not going to spell that out for you there. Uh, uh, no fans. I got one more comment. I seen a friend of the show, Josh Yo, he posted the Chris Letang OT winner, and it was just the most awkward video ever if you just listen to it. It's just like ping, and it's dead yeah. silent. A couple of guys like, woo, woo. We're not going to yeah. make playoffs. We still beat the Islanders. And it was just dead quiet. Uh, yeah, Oilers. Outscored 7 nothing in two games. We're not going to get dive too deep into the stats, but the Leafs don't have Matthews, and they're still beating the brakes off of the Oilers here with their second and third string 10D in net. It's not looking good. I mean, if you got to pick out a couple of things from Edmonton of like, hey, here's their clear flaws right now, what is it? Because like you can't really like be like, oh, McDavid and Drysaddle, they're not performing. That's the only reason they're losing here. Yeah, um, obviously, like they're two, two highest paid guys haven't really done much the last I go as far back to the Vancouver games, like the the last one, especially, but I don't know, it just and obviously they switched up the lines, but it seemed like they just weren't getting anything from any of like the wingers like I mean, Cahoon, Yamamoto has three points in his last 12 games, Nugent Hopkins took two bad penalties last games and or last game and I mean, they had to switch it up, and they get nothing from their fourth line. Like, you read those game grades, and it's like Patrick Russell, invisible, Patrick Russell, nothing. And, like, they're just not really getting much. And, I mean, for Toronto, though, sure, they're missing Matthews, but it's not like they're putting homeless guys in the lineup, right? Part of what makes the Leafs the Leafs is... <laughs> I don't even know if we're allowed to say that anymore. We might get yeah, canceled now, like honestly. Mr. Potato Head. Well, it's not like they're putting, putting, like, randoms into the lineup that can't play, right? Like, they're the Leafs, and... Guys want to play there, so Jason Spezza gets elevated, and he's still he still could be a third line guy on a lot of teams, but he's on their fourth line, and he gets elevated. And then Tavares How nasty gets, was that fake slap yeah. shot goal. 
and then Tavares gets to play more because because Marner gets is playing with him. And I mean, Jack Campbell, what, what was he like the twelfth overall pick too a couple of years ago? So it's not like he's just like some goalie they called up from the minors to play. Like they're a legit team, and I think Sheldon Keefe's done a good job with them. And I mean, I was when Keefe got hired, I was kind of like, okay, like Dubis is bringing his buddy in, like he he thinks that this guy's God or whatever. But watching the Leafs, and I mean coaching in the nhl it's kind of it's kind of overrated right like you're just oh this guy's a good but you can't really tell but the one time i saw it a guy went to dump the puck in and, and keith was like screaming on the bench and the guy like instead of dumping it into the other end he dumped it back into like his own end so they could just like keep control of the puck which i thought was pretty cool do you think and i mean you know enough young players too that are playing minor leagues junior stuff like that because I fully do that a lot of these younger coaches who are used to dealing with these players, let's say low 20s, you know, age-wise, mid-20s, do you think they're able to connect that much more? Because our generations are so different now. Like, you know, someone 10 years older than me or 20 years older than me, no way we're getting coached the same. I mean, you know, people my age are just way too soft. Players I played with are just way too soft. They can't handle it for the most part. And that's why, I mean, you see a lot of the guys burn out. But some of these coaches who are now coming up a little younger, uh, Colleton, who's in uh, who's in New- or Colorado, uh, Bedner, whatever. Bedner, yeah. yeah, like some of those younger coaches, Keith, I, I think they're all young. I actually don't know or have any stats, but I feel like they just connect with uh, the core of the roster a lot better. Well, Colleton was just like playing a couple of years ago, pretty much. And like Alex Burroughs just got promoted in Montreal, too. So, yeah, I think like back in the day, it seemed like a lot of the coaches were just like lifetime coaches who who got to the league. But now these are guys who really have just finished playing. And I mean, you think of coaches who aren't in the league anymore. And a lot of them, it's like you couldn't even talk to them, right? Like it's just I'm the coach, you're the player and now these guys I think have actual relationships with them where they like know about their families and their wives. And I mean, Rick bonus is, is like one of the oldest coaches in the league. I well, I guess he would be the oldest coach in the league. And like everybody's saying that they don't want to play for anybody other than him. That even his wife is like the mom of like the players wives. And he stuff seems like to have that. a like, good grandpa vibe though. Yeah. And I mean, there's probably a reason he stuck around for 35 years where, I mean, a guy like, I don't even know who named, but some guys only stick around for 10, 15 years because, you know, like their act gets old, right? Well, see, and that's why I think like a Ken Hitchcock, uh, you know, Mike Keenan, like obviously they've had successful careers and they coach good when, you know, in their prime. But like there's just no chance for them to coach now, like or, or ever again. They can't connect with the younger guys. They can't coach the younger guys. It's just not possible. Can and they like advise the, coaches? Yes, but. The younger guys these days, I don't think that they – they want to tell a coach to go F themselves. Like back in the day, if, if you told Hitchcock that like, you'd be, you'd be right back out there. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's what they, they like. I think it's more of like a, a friendship as opposed to like a coach player relationship. hundred percent, hundred percent. Also shout out to our guy, Sean Burke, the new goaltending or director of goaltending and, yeah. uh, Montreal, Montreal, friend of the show there. We'll get into that NHL news brought to you by Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks. Now, what's the number one problem you face when buying a top-of-the-line hockey stick? Well, they cost $300 plus, even like $350, $400, stupid. It's, a, it's absolutely wild, asinine. Pro Rock, top-of-the-line stick, weighing around 400 grams at the best price point. Check them out today, ProRock.com. I got my sick Dukin. Adam's getting his here soon. I mean, 
you know what? I bet if you ever send it to me, yeah. Well, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're keeping the packages. Also, I send you stuff all the time and you just lose it anyways. So Yeah, that hat lasted me like three days. Yeah, I know you're an idiot. Uh, NHL news, though, like uh, let's talk about the goaltending in uh, Montreal. I mean, it got their coach canned. Carey Price was terrible. Seems to be doing all right. They gas weight. I think that was kind of a predetermined decision unless there was an argument that led to it. But like, is a goalie coach really the problem? I get it. Like, sometimes the same voice is going to drag on, feel a little bit old. I don't know. I, I, I really wonder. I know Sean Burke's a goalie whisperer. He's great. I mean, I think he led to one of Devin Dubnik's best seasons. Like, you know, when he... When Dubnik was, like, in the minors. Was it? He, like, was, like, oh, in Montreal back, and then yeah. Minnesota, Arizona, and I think he, like, resurrected it, kind of. No, for sure. And that's, like, I mean, Burke, he's a genius. He's dealt with so many of these elite goaltenders before working with Hockey Canada. Could he do it? I, I do think so, but I also think that... Carey Price, we got to be a little realistic with ourselves here. He's on the back nine. This isn't Carey Price in his prime anymore, clearly. He's still a great goaltender. He still could be the best Canadian goaltender in the league, but you can't expect that from him every night. Yeah. Um, and like watching him this year, it's super weird because it seems like he makes all the all the hard saves and then he'll just let in like a, a stinker from the corner, like the Nate Thompson goal a couple like last week. It was brutal and I mean, what what do goalie coaches even really do? Like, I'm sure they want they want a guy to play a certain way, where whether it's you know deeper in his net, outside, whatever. But at the end of the day, like Carey Price was a fifth overall pick coming from Tri City, where I'm not even sure he really had a goalie coach back in the day. So, I mean, he had to have had a goalie. Coach. Well, I mean, but it's not like not, he was playing in the 70s. Jeez. But not not to like the point where you know you got six guys telling you what to do and yeah. all that and. I mean, he's been there for, Wade's been there, I think, for six or seven years. So it's interesting to see that they had to can him now, right, as opposed to last year. And Bergevin said he didn't consult him. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like, <laughs> I think that there is, there's definitely some some consulting or something wasn't right. Like, if he Price loved him, obviously, he wasn't going to get fired. There's such a loose terminology there and like, oh, did he or didn't he consult him? Like what what's considered consulting? Is it like in the prior 24 hours or is it in the offseason price going, hey, this guy's kind of wearing off on me. Like if there's anyone else available, like let's take a second look here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been with them for eight years, I want to say. And I've seen a number and I know it, it's totally you can't put a number on a goalie coach, but like. Price had like a 929 in his first four years with weight. And then since then, it's been like a 907. Yeah. Those are just rough numbers. And the game's changed and, and stuff 100%. like that. Um, 100%. So someone who the, just sees the game a little different will help. The weirdest thing is is when guys like goalies need to take time off to practice or something like that. Like where Price, they're like, we're giving Price some time off. He's he's going to practice. It's like these guys have faced a million shots in their lives. Like I don't think that they, they forgot how to stop the puck, right? There's so many little technical things, though. And that's where I disagree where, I mean, I guarantee you Ings would say the same thing to you is like, Dude, if you're just like not feeling how you're catching the puck or something, or if you're just feeling like you keep getting beat block or side, you start to overthink it. And you literally just have to go back in the mind blender and be like, what am I doing wrong here? What's every single player seeing that I'm not doing? You know, like there was a time. Well, I mean, let's just pick out Migo Koskinen. It's more recent on the top, like his glove hand. Like you don't think that every practice it's not Muka. Who's the Oilers goalie coach? Dusty Schwartz. Yeah. 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 You don't think him and Schwartz have spent 
millions of practices being like, where's your glove positioning? You know, if you turn it this way, shooters are seeing this. There's so much that goes into it. Sorry to bring back the Oilers. They suck, but they still have potential. Yeah, um, we could get into some non-Canadian teams. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch going to on. Rip through NHL news. Thanks, Pro Rock. Yeah, no, there, there's <laughs> a bunch going on though. Like Anaheim's lost seven straight. They can't score. John Gibson's great, but they can't score. How about uh, Zegers trying the Michigan yeah. weapon for his first goal? Could you yeah. imagine if that's your first NHL talk? That'd be pretty sweet. But I mean, Anaheim they average two point zero five goals a game, which clearly is thirty first in the league. Like, I mean, that doesn't win I, you games in the KHL. The like, I don't want to get into a Gibson trade conspiracy, but his career isn't going to line up for when they're going to be good you know like in three years when jamie drysdale is an impact player and zegris is an impact player gibson's going to be like third low 30s i think so it doesn't really add up i mean you don't want to say trade them but trade them i get it you want to start the rumor mill but you got to keep a guy like that around because who better to train a young goalie than john gibson someone who is that damn good you know if you got a good prospect coming through who do you want i'm learning from John Gibson. Yeah, well, I mean, realistically, I don't think John Gibson's there to be a mentor or anything. I think he wants to play and win, but... Okay, so that's on the chase on suspension? I don't know. It was like, I think it was just... Tape you said you've been cross-harder heart, and novice. I don't yeah. know. I mean, maybe Probably you played against some pretty... Some, yeah, some... So, where, where did... Did Pilon... Did Garrett play in Beardies, too? No, Garrett played in, in Saskatoon. I remember when Ryan was on Beardies. Oh, man. Like, he was just a, a man amongst boys, and he would literally have 10 goals a game. Locked oh, yeah. Us. Yeah. Um, you were you're pretty wrong on Kaprizov, though, hey? Never wrong. But, uh, yeah, maybe a little off. I, there's no way he wins Calder. Tim Stutzel was NHL Rookie of the Month. He's 10 times better of a player. Kaprizov's good, but I don't know. I mean, everyone wants to pump his tires because he skates a little faster. Yeah, this is the McDavid Panarin thing all over again, where it's like, oh, this guy's 23. He's played six years in the KHL. Like, I'd hope that he would come over and and do like pretty good and and be like that. But there's like a five year age difference, right? That's true. Like, I don't even remember the whole McDavid Panarin thing. So that's NHL nerd stuff, not for me. It's Calder, but um, no, the chase on suspension. I mean. I think the the biggest issue is, is at the end of the game, right? Like, there's no need to skate by a guy and turn back and kind of especially go at him. VC, like what this guy Yeah, like see? like a guy who's probably going to be out of the NHL by the trade deadline. Like, really, he might, be a hel- he might have been a healthy on Wednesday. We don't know, but I'll, I think I don't think it was because of like the damage he did. I think it was because like the intent of like he actually could have taken his head off if he like knew how to cross check. I don't know. Yeah, it's did you it's see the, the Saros uh, get hit there too by? Buddy, I forget who it was. Niederreiter. Yeah, like, did you think it was that bad? No, $5, I mean... $5,000 fines, all right. Like, I, I just don't like the whole point of finding somebody $5,000 who's made $30 million just is so That's redundant. Funny. But, I mean, I, I okay, don't Mike, really... Mike Smith's dive. That was a bad At the end of the game. I totally thought it. I seen it live. Like, well, not live. Like, I seen it on TV, and I'm like, I don't even know if he got hit that much. Like, dude, he just seemed to flop, and then he was throwing his helmet around, and I was like... And then he went after the wrong guy. I was like, oh, I think he just yeah. pissed off. Look, goalies, goalies should be protected, as, but not. I think this level's taking it like a little extreme where like anytime they get touched and they're allowed to fall or whatever. I mean, that's that's a little much, but we probably have to go. 
That's a that's a brutal flop. Do we have anything else big though? I know I didn't even tell who our guests are on the show here. I think we got Matthew Beauvais, Buffalo uh, sports director there. We'll talk Sabres with them, why they've kind of been a mess. Uh, Joey Tedarenko as well. Oh, we still got to get to Alvin Kamara. That's hilarious. Buddy's living it up in Montana, one of the best uh, states to be in. Joey Tedarenko, former Florida Panther, any cheller as well. Made a bunch of stops. Yeah, let's get out of here. We'll come back, uh, talk some Buffalo Sabres. We know we've got about seven fans that like the Buffalo Sabres, so we're going to talk about Skinner, Eichel, start the trade rumors. It's World Hockey Report. Cody Jansen, Adam Ermitrout with you on 12-Ounce Sports. When you think of the biggest dumpster fires in the NHL right now, you got to be lying if you're not thinking about the Buffalo Sabres. Hey, it's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, the one-stop shop for quality RV, car, truck, part, or marine parts and accessories. All right, we are joined now by sports director at WKBW, Matt Beauvais. This interview is brought to you by Coco Vodka and Coco Rum. Back for another great uh, season of hockey as our great friends at Coco Vodka and Coco Rum. This is the best drink you'll ever have, and it's on more shelves than ever across Alberta. Refreshingly different, Coco Vodka and Coco Rum is a vacation in a can. Enjoy the cocoa life with us. It's high quality ingredients, no fillers, no beer bloat, no cheap liquor. Cocoa vodka and cocoa rum is the real deal. All right, Matt Beauvais, he gets to go to the Sabres games. He's been in Buffalo his whole life. What is the vibe around this hockey team right now? Oh, it's a mess. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's angry. You know, it's funny. We're just coming off a really, really great football season here in Buffalo. So people are excited. They're like, yes, the Sabres are going to keep up the momentum. Maybe this is going to be the year that they're not a tire fire. And they're probably the most underperforming team in the NHL. And they're going to miss the playoffs for the 10th straight season, which will be a new NHL record. So, yeah, things are not going well if you're a hockey fan in Buffalo. I just got it. I just got to say, that's a bad opening question. Just being, what's the vibe in Buffalo? Well, if you've watched hockey in your life, I think you can know the answer to that one. Matt, I wanted to ask you about Skinner in particular. Obviously, I mean, he's a guy getting overpaid and he's sitting in the stands with you half the nights. But like, what 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 have you seen from him this season? Is there any chance he really, really like regains half of his form? I mean, he's not a terrible player, but wow, it's rough for him. That's what I think probably is going to happen you know Jeff Skinner made a ton of money because he threw up a 40 goal season in a contract year which all power to him if the Sabres didn't pay him somebody was going to pay him a ton of money I still think Jeff Skinner's a pretty good hockey player I think he's snake bitten right now I think he's got a monkey on his back I mean for anybody who watched the game last night the guy had a ton of chances like literally he probably had like five or six scoring chances and none of them went in and normally Jeff Skinner buries those so I think the guy just can't buy a goal right now I don't think he's going to ever be a 40-goal scorer in the NHL again, but I don't think it's ridiculous to think that he couldn't be a 20-goal scorer. The problem is Ralph Kruger doesn't like that Jeff Skinner doesn't play a defensively sound game, but Jeff Skinner is not a defensively sound hockey player. Jeff Skinner is on the ice because the guy scores goals at five-on-five. That's what he's always done. So Kruger always puts him on the third line, the fourth line. He's playing with depth players. He shouldn't be playing with depth players. He should be playing on a wing with Jack Eichel. He should be playing on a line with other guys who can, ha- you know, who have offensive upside. So that's where this all stems from. He shouldn't be making nine million dollars a year. He needs to be better. But to put it all on him is ridiculous because this entire team has played terrible. Matt, so uh, you alluded to the Bills' great season. I think I watched all their games, just given that 
they seem to be Canada's team here, but so they're they're owned by the Pagulas and they seem to be a model franchise, great GM, great head coach, you know, good young talent. And then the Sabres, you'd think that, you know, and the Pagulas have spent money. They've just spent it poorly. So like where do you think the the whole disconnect has been over the last couple of years? Well, I just think that after a while you need some sort of continuity in the front office and you need some sort of continuity on the roster. And the Sabres have just not had that. Whether or not the Pagulas got lucky with the Bills, with Sean McDermott, with Brandon Bean is a completely different conversation. But those two guys have turned the organization around and they've taken it to, you know, the highest level it's been in like 20 years. With the Sabres, every other year there's a new head coach here. Every three years there's a new general manager here. So as you continue to have that revolving door, it just becomes almost impossible to try and build any chemistry and to try and have any success. So I think that's the biggest thing with the Bills. That when they when the Pagulas bought the Bills, they had a couple of years where they struggled. But then once they hired Sean McDermott and they hired Brandon Bean, things started to turn around. It's the cliche here. They trusted the process, and eventually the Bills became one of the best teams in the NFL. With the Sabres, it's they bring in a GM. He makes a couple moves. The team still sucks. Then they blame the coach because they've got some talented players here, and it's like, how is this team underperforming? Then they do it all over again. They bring in a new coach. The team still sucks. So then they fire the GM because they've already fired the coach, and then that just cycle continues and continues. Matthew Bovey, our guest, your sports director, WKBW. Follow him on Twitter, Matt underscore Bovey. I got to ask about Taylor Hall now. I mean, you've seen him this season. We get to watch the games on TV. I want your opinion on what this guy's worth in his next deal. Ooh. I think Taylor Hall is going to get paid because he's Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is not going to get paid because of what he's done this season. He seems pretty soft on the puck. Like he feels like he loses a lot of battles. He is really fast. I'll give him that. He does have obviously a ton of offensive upside, but once again, the Sabres are trying to figure out this whole depth scoring thing and they're putting him on a line with Eric Stahl. And I mean, you guys know Eric Stahl was once an incredible hockey player, but he's not the player he was. So Eric Stahl slows that line down. Hall is flying up the wall and he just kind of has to coast in because he's going up with Stahl. I think it's a little bit, his lack of productivity is a little bit of a product of playing with the Buffalo Sabres right now because nobody is scoring goals. That said, I haven't been as impressed with him as I thought I would be. I mean, obviously, he's a former MVP. You would think that he would come in and no, you know, no sweat. He'd score 25 goals in the shortened season. He'd have 60, 70 points, cakewalk, and that hasn't been the case. So I bet on his next deal, I don't know, maybe he's getting like $6 million per, depending on the length and the term of everything. But I would think even that's probably overpaying him based off of what we've seen this year, which is wild considering what he was a couple of years ago. I feel a little ridiculous asking this question, but like, do the Sabres need to strip it down and start over? I, because like, they're pretty much at rock bottom already. Like I think you could get a decent amount for like a, a Sam Reinhardt, get what you can for Hall this year. But I mean, do they need to like restart almost like that's, and I, I honestly think that Kevin Adams did like a decent job in the summer for what he was given, but like, I, I like, where do they go? I think that they need to do kind of like a modified start over because I do think that that needs to happen. Like, listen, it can't get any worse than it is right now. I wouldn't trade Eichel. I wouldn't trade Cousins. And I wouldn't trade Deline. 
basically everybody else would be fair game. The problem with the Sabres is they've got so many bad contracts, and even if you are moving players like Reinhardt, like Hall, maybe even like Olafson, whoever it might be, you're still going to be stuck with the Skinner contracts, and you're still going to be stuck with the Oposo contracts, two of the worst contracts in the NHL. So I think that if you do kind of like a modified start over, listen, if you're trading Jack Eichel, you need to get an absolute King's ransom. And I don't think they're going to do that unless Eichel specifically says that he wants out. And that hasn't happened up to this point. Deline has been okay this year. He started slow. Then he started to play really, really well for like 10 games in the last couple games. He struggled a bit, but so is the entire team. And Dylan Cousins looks like he's going to be the real deal. He just looks like a really solid hockey player. So I would say those are your foundations. Those are your core. And then basically everybody else is expendable. And by the way, the guy you mentioned, Sam Reinhart, he's been the Sabres' best player this year. So he's totally an asset for a team if they're willing to move on from him. It's no surprise you said two of their best players, Sam Reinhart, Dylan Cousins, both play in the Western Hockey League. Shout out Canada. We're the best. Uh, I got to ask about the the goaltending, though. Like, is this number 31 in the NHL? Are they that bad? Because every time I seem to watch the Sabres, they're either, you know, they're getting the hook or they're just letting in two softies a game. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, they're without who you would say Linus Olmark is their starter with air quotes because they don't really have yeah. a starter, but he's out for at least a month right now. He was playing pretty well. Carter Hutton is, it's weird, man. Is he like blind? Yeah, well, last, last year there was a report that he was having vision problems and that that got corrected over the summer. But you're totally right. Like in last night's game, I understand like shot quality matters. I understand all the, all the things that go into it, but 19 shots and he gives up three goals. Like you got a shot to win. If he doesn't let in a soft, he let in a wrist shot from outside of the faceoff circle to make it a two goal game. Like that stuff just can't happen in the NHL. The Sabres have a ton of problems. Goaltending is one of the problems. I don't think it's their biggest problem, but it's definitely still a problem and for a fan base that's been spoiled. Listen, this team had Dominic Hasek and this team had Ryan Miller. So for like 20 years, goaltending was an afterthought here because it was like you've got one of the best goalies in the NHL. All you got to do is play somewhat decent hockey in front of them. Now that the Sabres don't have a stud goalie, everything else becomes that much more complicated. Yeah, I I feel I feel bad for you, Matt, honestly. You know, but yeah, so just lastly here, are you team Ralph fire Ralph Kruger and continue on the coaching carousel here? Yeah, yeah, I would say when they hired Kruger, I liked it. I thought it was a little outside the box, and I think the Sabres have kind of been inside the box for a long time, so I like to say we're trying to do things a little bit differently. I love Bruce Boudreau just because I think that that dude's a ton of fun, and I think he'd be like the perfect coach to bring in here, and I think there's some other really solid coaches that are still on the market. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's time. I think that they won't make a move just because they've done this so many times in the past, and I think they're a little scared by that. But I also don't think that that should have an impact on what they do moving forward. Like, clearly it's not working, so they need to do something. So I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility if Kruger kind of, you know, stepped into, like, a leadership role or kind of like a president role or something like that, and then they brought in a head coach. But yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think they got to do something. Yeah, like like he was with his soccer team. Hypothetical. Here's a here's a Joe from the bridge comment. Kevin Adams throws the money at Rod Brindamore when the Canes don't want to pay him. There you go, uh, Matt. Give yourself a plug here. Oh yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me on, guys. You can follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Bovey. And uh, if you're ever in Buffalo, 
make sure you watch Channel 7. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Voice of the, voice of, uh, the Sabres fans right there. I'd call him on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, boys. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Matt Bovey right there for our friends at Coco Vodka and Coco Rum, the absolute best. Okay, we brought the Alvin Kamara thing. Actually, no, let's, let's talk about the conversation. I always forget to do that. I always forget to look back at other people's, you know, yeah, what they're literally. saying. Sam Reinhardt, though. I mean, are you shocked it's taken him this long to really become a impact, quote-unquote, impact player? And the NHL, like, he's always kind of had it, but he's never been put in that spot, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think he's kind of like a Nugent Hopkins where, uh, honestly, Nugent Hopkins' career didn't really take off until he had other guys to play with. And I don't think Reinhardt's like, as a number two picture, you'd want them to be, be able to do it themselves. But I've seen the guy play since he was like 14 years old, 15 years old in the dub. He was playing playoffs in Saskatoon, and there is him and his brother Max on the team. In and Kootenai? My, yeah, in Kootenai yeah, against Cranbrook, Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah and... My dad thought that uh, that Sam was the older one. He thought Max was a 15-year-old. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he's a really good, smart, kind of two-way player. But I just don't think that he's really a driver of anything. But he's a really good player. And I think they could get a lot for him. I mean, the cage on Sam probably should have given it away. But I don't uh, think he, was, he wasn't aware in a cage we by won't, playoffs. We won't rip I, think he was 16. I think he was 16, so he wasn't wearing the cage by uh, playoffs. Okay. Okay, well, maybe maybe you get a little lucky on that one then. Anything else really stick out to you? Like, I mean, I think they're a dumpster fire. Actually, what would you give Taylor Hall right now? You're an NHL uh, GM. Yeah. You have to sign him, though. You have to sign him, and, like, you have to, like, actually make a bid that he'll sign. I don't think he is worth more than, like, six million bucks, six and a half. Like, I agree with so Matt. six like, by six? Yeah, six sure. Four. I mean, I just, one, he hasn't really played well for, like, four years since he won the MVP, right? Like, he hasn't. He went to Arizona was okay, but wasn't, I don't know, like just that's his outlier year, right? Like he's never really been a high point guy. He had the one year in Jersey where he played great. And then, well, and he won the MVP just because everybody else on Jersey wasn't good. And I don't know. I've, I think he's a really good individual offensive player. I don't think that he, he thinks the game at a very high level. Um, but yeah, thinks, six million. Thinks the ranch at a high level. Yeah. I mean, six million's fine. I'd like, is he a better player than Ryan Nugent Hopkins at this point, if you want to keep it local? Yes. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. he's a better player than Nugent Hopkins. Okay, talk about this Sasky kid. This uh, Is it Genet? Tanner Genet? Oh, Tanner Janot. Yeah. Janot. No, uh, Good French guy. I know his agent really well. It's, it's funny. He, uh, he had one goal in like 50-some games his first year in Moose Jaw. And then, sure enough, just had a big next year and just kept getting better. Ended with like 40 goals and 40 assists last year and signed with Nashville and I mean this is a guy from like Oxbow Saskatchewan kind of down by Estevan. You said there. Estevan and got ripped. You just knew Saskatchewan was coming at you if you oh, let, yeah. let him down. Yeah. He's from Oxbow. I, like uh, that's where my dad's family from. So my cousins know him pretty well in that and like he I guess his Mike his agent said that he went to Yorkton, set a fitness record, has a fitness award named after him, went to Met Moose Jaw fitness award named after him so good for him i mean that's that's strictly hard work right i was so bad at fitness tests i mean that's a, like i the beep test was literally my number one enemy <laughs> I, I don't know what it was but like dude those guys who had like great fitness and midget AAA and juniors so much props it's not easy i mean you're you're like juggling high school you're trying to be a normal kid fill in go to parts well, like, the, I mean, you still got to go to high school. No one in high school is eating like chicken and rice, eating that healthy, you know, yeah. 
you're having a couple extra pops. You're still like, dude, if you can be an absolute weapon in midget AAA and juniors, you're likely going somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, uh, that's a pretty simple statement. But also, shout out Coco Vodka, uh, now in two countries, 26 states, three provinces. The real deal. Uh, okay, Braden Holpe, we got time for this. Holpe and Koskinen. I don't think that there is any difference if you put either of them in net. Maybe Holpe has a higher ceiling, but I also think he has a lower floor at his, this point in his career. Okay, you've got 67s. Play your case. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that Holpe has a lot more experience. I mean, he's more of a big game guy, and he played on a Washington team last year that was horrible, like underachieved so much. They got their coach fired. They're horrible defensively. He's gone to Vancouver this year. Got lit up in a couple by Toronto, mainly because JT Miller decided not to skate back. And Oilers fans are going off on Koskinen save percentage. And I think that was the case because he'd stopped 40 the one night, then he let on three on 20 the next night. So I think he's been pretty inconsistent. And I mean, the experiment's over, right? Like Elliot Friedman literally said, they brought in Alex Daylock so we could push Mike Smith and Koskinen. Like they claimed a guy off waivers because they weren't set on their goaltending. I don't think the... Staylock thing is just a taxi squad thing either. Dude, isn't it crazy that the Leafs have the best third goaltender in the NHL and he actually makes a difference? Like their backups have like a 944 save percentage yeah, this year. Like, like Hutchinson wins them games. Hutchinson started for the Avalanche in the bubble last year. Well, yeah, he started like yeah, the last like he couple, a couple of games. Of, which like, and in, I remember in Toronto last year, it was like a giveaway at the deadline. They're just like, we're, we can't have this guy anymore. Like we're done. And then sure enough, he, he's played very well this year. And he made a couple of good saves in the Oilers game. It's not like Edmonton didn't get any shots. Also, I think, uh, you know, Freddie Anderson's going to start tonight. I think I saw that on Twitter. But if you're if you're Ken Holland right now, or Dave Tippett, and you got the option, you can start Michael Hutchinson, Mike Smith, or Miko Koskinen. Who are you going with? I'd go with Smith just because his puck playing abilities, it's like it gets talked about a lot and like for good reason. It's such a such an advantage to have. That's fair. I still think he's a 948-40 guy. Also, stat of the day, this one uh, per Adam here. Bobby Ryan leads Detroit 12 points, 23 games. They're a dumpster fire. We got to head off to a commercial break, though. Uh, Joey Tedareko coming up, former NHL or good Sasky guy. We're going to dive into the Florida Panthers with him. When we come back, it's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts on 12 Ounce Sports. One of the funnest teams to watch so far this season, easily the Florida Panthers. So we thought we'd get an alumni on. Hey, what's up? It's Cody Jansen, Adam Room Trout World Hockey Report, presented by Lordco Auto Parts. Learn more at lordco.com. Follow them at Lordco Auto Parts on social media. We're going to bring on Joey Tedaranko, good Sasky guy, former NHLer, friends at Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks. Check them out today, prorock.com. Joey, what's going on? How are you, man? Hey, no, we appreciate you taking the time. We know, uh, you know, being a good Sasky guy, you got your experience in the NHL. We know you got some great insight. You're also, I mean, one bad man. We got to watch some more fights last night doing the research here. You had a couple of good tilts. We'll get into that. But I wanted to ask about Florida first because they got another good team here and it looks like maybe they're on the uprise. What was it like in your time in Florida playing there? Like, were you guys getting good crowds still in the early 2000s? Well, when I was, uh, I was nice right after they had gone to the, the Stanley Cup finals against Colorado. So, you know, going into camp, there was still that buzz. The team was still strong. And then as we started building, you know, I guess our, our depth and our draft picks and stuff like that, we kind of went through a rebuild. 
Um, the, the fans were great, the ones that came to the game, but I would have to say, you know, uh, some nights during the week were, were, were great t-shirt night in Florida, but you know, it, that's a place where if the team's good, people will come. If they're not, you know, there's other things to do. So it's, it's not a traditional hockey market, but there is passionate fans there. And, and seeing the team this year is awesome to see. And I, and I, and I know they're going to grow their base and, and have a great following. You had uh, you had some characters in Florida, players and coaches, Mike Keenan. We just had Tim Stapleton on a couple weeks ago, and he had some good Mike Keenan stories. Just do you do you have anything that sticks out from your time with him? Um, not really. It was just we we had Dwayne Sutter right before right before uh, Mike came in, and then we were kind of shocked. And, and for us young guys, we didn't know uh, anything about him. I guess. As personally coming in, um, I'm sure some of the older guys probably kind of rolled their eyes and, uh, hearing that that Iron Mike was coming in to you know steer the ship. Um, and as far as the young guys, he he's, he wasn't a guy that really liked a lot of young guys on his team. He liked to rely on a lot of older guys with experience. So I guess some of the younger guys that that were there were some whipping boys, and, and it was tough to play for him, tough to get to line up, you know, tough to know what you were doing day to day. Um, a lot of head games. So it was a lot of guessing. So kept all on edge, I guess you could say. Joe, you played on some pretty crazy rosters too. And I got to ask you about the Burrays. I mean, was, was, was Pavel one of the best players you ever played with? Like, what was he like? Cause that year, I think it was 2000. He had double anyone's points on the team. Yeah. You know, obviously is a great goal scorer and but him as a person he's just like he was like a big kid he loved to be at the rink he loved to play hockey and he loved scoring goals you see some of his celebrations like so passionate about putting the puck in the net he was a lot of fun to be around and and you know him on the plane or on the bus you know he was a lot of fun to be around a lot different than you know a lot of people might have looked at him it's like uh, I guess back in the day, seeing uh, a Russian or European coming over, being maybe a little bit stoic and a little standoffish, but he was a great teammate. He just loved to score goals. He might be on the ice, you know, the last minute before practice, but some days he would be on an hour or an hour and a half after, just trying to to, to score goals on Trevor Kidd or, or Roberto Luongo, who, who was ever in net at the time, who wanted to stay out with him. So he was a lot of fun to be around and, and, and a lot of fun to watch. It was always uh, nice to be able to, you know, give Pav the puck and just let him go. So it was, uh, he was, he was, yeah, like you said, one of the best players that I've ever played with, you know, him and Marian Hosa, probably Shot the me. two, two most talented players that, that I've ever played with. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've been, you know, on teams with Ron Francis, who was an exceptional hockey player and, you know, Rod Brindamore, just so many people through my career that I've played with, but you know, those two really stick out as, as high end talent above all the rest. I just got to pump my memory here. Pavel Burry, that 0902, or, uh, 2001 season, had 92 points. The second on the team was Victor Kozlov with 37. That's how, that's how crazy it was. There was that, yeah, there was quite a big gap. So you could see that uh, you know, we, we relied on Pav to do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to goal scoring because there, uh, there was a big, uh, big difference between his skill level and the rest of us, I guess you could say. But there was a lot of great players, uh, a lot of great veteran guys that I got to play with there as well. Joey, you played with Marion Hosa twice, actually. You played with him in Portland and then again in Ottawa. Did you think back seeing him, him in Portland that he'd have the Hall of Fame career he'd go on to have? Um, actually, no. Like when you have a, a really dominant player in junior, um, 
Well, I, I can't really say no. You know, we we always knew there was potential for him to be an amazing uh, pro, but he took it almost to a second, another level. You know, he was an awesome player that the year we had him in junior, you know, uh, and then as he developed and, and grew and, and got older, he just became one of the best all around hockey players ever to play in the NHL, um, played both ends of the ice, um, you know, such a pivotal role on the teams that he played. Um, you know, you could always rely on Marion to, to do his job. And then to add that talent with, with a player that does his job so well, it, you know, the sky was the limit. And, and to actually, now that it's said and done, to see him in the Hall of Fame, you know, you're, you're I guess you look back and say, I guess, I guess we, 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 didn't, uh, we didn't, you know, um, think that would happen, but we're not surprised that it did happen. Sorry. Joey, your first season in the NHL in Florida, you had three tucks that year. Like, what was clicking for you? Do you remember your first one? Walk us through it. Uh, yeah, first, I lost my first one in the same game. So, uh, yeah, very, uh, very, I was the most surprised, I think. Um, you know, I scored my first one on a nice on one goal against Ron Tugnut in the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was assisted by uh, Ole Jokinen and, and Len Berry. And then, uh, yeah, I was able to uh, to throw another one in and, uh, later in the game and, and had an opportunity to maybe get a hat trick. But uh, it, it's about the two. Uh, I was very surprised and, and pretty motivated. I was uh, maybe thinking I was going to win the Calder that year after after one, one good night. <laughs> All right. First goal. Take us through your first fight. How to how to go down. Um, my first fight, well, I had fought a lot of training camps leading up to, to when I was called up. Um, but my first fight was against Jim McKenzie. Um, maybe could have eased in with somebody else rather than big Jim McKenzie, a legendary NHL tough guy. Um, we were in, we were in, uh, in New Jersey and we were up three to one. I think it was. And, and you know, the face off after our third goal to go up, I was out there and I was lined up against Jim McKenzie and, you know, not the smartest move, you know, when you have a lead to go and uh, give the momentum to New Jersey by fighting Jim McKenzie. But I, I remember, I think he asked me if I wanted to go and, and I, I was absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This could be my first fight against, you know, a legitimate NHL heavyweight, but not thinking, you know, that I could get beat up and, and, and change the momentum. And uh, I turned around and before I could even start fighting, Jim already had his gloves off and he was he was well on his way to a victory and then <laughs> New Jersey eventually got momentum. And I think they won that game. So not a great first fight, but uh, you know, certainly remember the story. I got one more. It's former NHL Joey Tedarenko on here for our friends at pro rock hockey sticks. You went, you were in Carolina in 03, 04, and that was obviously a couple of years before they went on their cup run. But a lot of that core and guys were still there. Like when, when you were in Carolina, did you see that team as like, wow, they actually got potential to be a Stanley cup contender in a couple of years. Um, yeah. Well, I, I did sign with Carolina. It was, uh, I was there for, I guess you could say insurance. Jesse Bullerese had gotten, uh, gotten one punched by, um, <laughs> by the Aaron Downey the late in the season the year before. And he had been out. So I didn't know if he was going to return. So I was signed. I came in and started playing with Carolina, but yeah, looking around some of the room, you had, uh, some veteran guys who were over from Detroit, uh, uh, Nicholas Walleen and, uh, and some other guys. And then you had Ron Francis, Rod Brindamore. You had a great core of very veteran, very, very talented guys. So, 
yeah, they were. I could see that they were going to be in the mix as one of the top teams. But but to predict a Stanley Cup winner, you know, year to year, it, it takes a lot of things to happen correctly and, and and some luck as well. So, but yes, they they were. You could see how 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 good of a team they were when I was there. Adam, awesome. you got any more? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, who are probably like your top three favorite fights? I want to say, like, did you ever fight a guy like Bob Probert or something like that, or no? I did ask Bob Fight and he was still in the league when I was when I was in my younger years, and uh, you know, I asked him politely it, it, during a draw early in the game, and he said, uh, "No thanks, kid. I'm going to score a hat trick tonight." Just kind of laughing me off and joking around, but he actually did end up scoring two goals that night. So maybe if I would have taken him off the ice for five minutes, maybe he wouldn't have such such a great night. But um, you know, guys like Eric Karen, some big guys, the Christmas. Chris McAllister that I fought, just some of the really big dudes, you know, tried to hang in there with. Um, almost fought George Rock one night in Edmonton. Uh, glad I didn't, because uh, he, he probably could have uh, <laughs> he probably could have done some damage to me as well. But you know, I was always in there. I was always aggressive. I was always an energy guy, and probably played in a way to make guys want to fight me. That was my goal. Um, you know, it turned into to to a lot of tilts in in uh, in a short amount of time in the NHL, but. Uh, it was a great experience, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Hey, you were a beast, and you were fun to watch growing up. That's uh, always something I'll remember about your style, just hard-nosed hockey. Joey, give yourself a plug. What are you up to nowadays? Well, nowadays, I work for a company in Sweden called ProSharp. Uh, we manufacture uh, skate sharpening machines and profiling machines. Um, we, uh, we were established in 1983, so we have a long a long uh, reputation or a long history of, of, of developing skate sharpeners and profiling machines. Very popular in Europe. We've been in North America for about six or seven years. Um, you'll find us in a lot of source for sports, pro hockey life, uh, sports excellence stores, and a lot of uh, independent shops across North America. So we have been a lot of fun staying in the, staying in the hockey culture, you know, talking with hockey guys, sports stores, have a lot of fun, great people. So yeah, if you've, if you're gonna if you're gonna work, you might as well stay in the industry. And uh, being a part of hockey is always a lot of fun. That's awesome, Joey. Thanks so much for making the time, man. Really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Right there, Joey Tedarenko, former NHLer, Florida Panther, Carolina Hurricane, Ottawa Senator. Great guest, Jim McKenzie. To Adam, I'm sure you've seen yeah, his fights. What a first fight! Gall Lake, Saskatchewan. He's from <laughs> unit too. He would yeah. throw him. He, he lasted a long time in the yeah, league, too, over didn't eight, he? Yeah, 800 games over, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a bad. Also, your first goal on Ron Tugnut. How are you? He has the NHL record for most saves in the game, right? I, I That's that's not a I stat so. for me. I think so. I think he does. Okay. Uh, moving along, Quack Stats. Uh, all right, who are we going to bench today for Forensic Quack Stats, the most advanced player tracking technology? Who are you sitting Oh man, um, let's go with just let's just go with the NHL for giving Chase on a one game suspension for pushing a guy's head. Again, there could have been a lot more damage. That's where I say maybe one game, not the worst, kind of sets a precedent of like, hey, after the whistle, maybe we don't go try chop someone's head off. Oh yeah, yeah. No, let's. I mean, it's fair. Or like the just the the finding system in the NHL, like find a guy twenty grand or something. Yeah, no, that's an absolute joke. Uh, you know, 
who are we going to bench? Who am I going to bench? I think the obvious one. We've been talking Sabres. Jeff Skinner. <laughs> like, sit that $9 million in the stands. You're just hauling down the team. Um, also, our bet of the night, mybookie.ag. Use promo code 120Z, sports, all caps, no spaces. Mybookie.ag. Going to pro- match your first deposit up to $1,000. Who do you like tonight? Let's go Dreisaitl to score and Oilers to win. That's bold. I don't even know what odds you get on that. Go check it out, mybookie.ag. I'm sticking with the Leafs. They got Freddie Anderson back. They're minus 132. They're buzzing. They've got the Oilers number. I hate it because, uh, honestly, when was that first game? Was it Saturday night? It would have been Saturday night. I loaded up on the Oilers, man. I tell you, I bet McDavid first goal, dry settle first goal, Oilers in regulation. Dude, I was buzzing. and Still waiting for it. <laughs> it could be waiting even longer. So Leafs minus 130, mybookie.ag, promo code 120Z Sports. Any other news that we, we could also bench forgot? the Flames? Like, I mean, every other game, it's like, oh, yeah, the Flames need this one tonight. And then, like, <laughs> they'll get ran 7 1 by Ottawa, 6 1 by Ottawa, and then they'll, they'll win, and then they'll get rinsed again and then they're like this is bullshit like this effort sucks and then all <laughs> it's just every every other game with the flames it's just yeah our effort sucks and it's like now we're on the right track i like i've seen for i i didn't think they'd be i thought they'd be better this year i didn't think that they'd be a great team um but like i've just seen the same old song and dance with this team the last five years like it doesn't matter anymore this could actually be the first show that we haven't brought up the flames until like the last minute Oh, they're just like such a joke. Sometimes. I think we've I think we've just given up on them. I think we've given up on them. Yeah, that's, I'm I'm that's... personally done with them. My brother, I tweeted out like my brother's a a Flames fan or whatever, so we'll watch them lots. And it's just like like I'm watching their game in Ottawa, and I literally went to Subway to get cookies because I was like, I'm just sick of this right now. Also, Toby Reader leading the Sabers in goals, I think, or uh, he's got more than Hall, Eichel, and Skinner, something like that combined. Yeah. Jeff Petrie on an absolute tear. Sorry, Oilers fans, I got to bring that up every time. Like you got rid of a stud. Yeah, I mean, everybody rips on the Oilers D now. I actually think it's a pretty solid group minus Chris Russell, but I mean, defensively, yeah, Petrie... defensively, they're two, three years away. I mean, Bear, Bouchard, Jones—they're not good enough defensively. Nurse still has too many brain What's with farts. What's Jones's mom's tweet? Like she should. I think. St- I think it's. <laughs> yeah, she got to stay off Twitter. Yeah, but I, I think. I mean, we obviously took it out of context a little bit, where it's like, oh, he'll be coming home this summer to like the states. But yeah, like, I mean, but- we can clearly take that out of context. Like, just stay off Twitter. And Dear also, parent. she tweeted something about the Blue Jackets. I saw and it was like, this is a hundred thousand percent on the players it's not on the coaches like i guess insinuating that seth likes the coach not the like i don't it's just like there's so many things where it's just like stay off twitter mom it's like mom get off twitter yeah <laughs> all right exactly. that's gonna do it for adam ermitrell cody jansen it's real talking about presented by lord co auto parts can be live 12 on sports single tv channel 761 until next week actually no i forgot to thank our guests i always got to thank our guests joey tetteranker former nhler matt vobe channel seven right channel seven buffalo WKBW. (laughs) The best. Alrighty, everyone, be kind, be better.